Hi, this is Rivastar and you're listening to Midcatty's Lowering the Tone. Ciao, sono Rivastar e stai ascoltando Lowering the Tone con Midcatty. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Lowering the Tone with me, Midcatty. I have a long show ahead, well over two hours of music and chat. This time round... I managed to catch up with an old friend of mine, Steve Young, better known as Head Flux. Thoroughly nice guy and possibly number one Cybreaks producer in the world. But before we get started, I really need to give a few people a shout. Caroline Campus, Matthew Bonza, Fabian Pitchard, Brian C. Pass, Lane Snedden, Alicia Smith, Breton Vine, Sam Craven, Xavier Eddart, and Neil McNoan. All of you have been extremely generous and um, donated some money via the Bandcamp. Your donations are the thing that keeps this show going, so thank you so much. It's really appreciated. Anyway, enough chat. Let's play some music. Thank you. 
listening to me, meet KT on Lowering the Tone. like the deeper, bouncier style of breaks, yeah. and check out the Stanton's Punks label. They've got some cracking new releases. Yeah. This is Mafia Kiss. something new from myself and Dylan Rhymes it's called Dense and it's on our Lot 49 label 
hope you're enjoying the show so far. If you're interested in the track listing, you need to go to meekhaty.com and hit subscribe. Katie. few more shouts to do Andy Matthews Natalie and little Alice James Evans the mailman and Jay Jenny Chu Big Popper Hatch Alan Cross Carl Stanton and 1025 thanks for your ongoing support
things up for a little while. Still to come, a long interview with Hexman.
this is Matt Goddard, aka Dopamine, on Meet Katie's Lowering the Tone podcast.
To receive a track listing for the show, please go to meetkatie.com and subscribe. Okay, I've got some gigs coming up that are worth mentioning. You can catch me at the MADM party. I think it's pronounced Madam. And that's at the Beaver Works in Leeds on the 13th of March. And I'll be playing alongside an old mate of mine, Kilo, which I'm looking forward to. And then I'm going to be playing at Bristol's Base Kitchen on the 3rd of April. And that's at Timbuktu. Keep an eye on my Facebook page for more details. We're also in the process of putting another Australian tour together. At the moment, that looks set to be July. Again, keep an eye on my Facebook page and I will keep you updated on the progress of that. Okay, just a few more shouts and then we can get back to the music. Louise O'Donnell, Julianne Murphy, Joe 90, Sid Wesley and Johnny Pulse. All from their LSM blog, The Life Support Machine. It's one of the best blogs out there and there's a lot of free music every week. So if you have time, it is well worth checking out.
that interview with head flux it's gonna get a little bit twisted before we do so though the wonderful victor ruiz check this out Thank you. 
hope you enjoyed the music that I've played for the last hour or so. If you want to get involved with the show, the best way of doing so is with a promo. Just tweet, share the link, mention it to your friends. If you're feeling it, then get behind it. Simple as that. Right, I think we're at the time now for that interview. Exclusive. Hello, Steve. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Uh, we played together last night in a warehouse party called Hype in London, in um, the East End, which was fun. Um, so we uh, neither of us had, have had a l- much sleep, I guess. <laughs> How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, kind of quite wired on coffee. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three hours sleep and two strong coffees. Um, yeah. Did you enjoy last night? Uh, yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, yeah, really nice people. Um, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people I knew, but also a lot of people I didn't know. But everyone was lovely, and I turned up really early, so I had a good sort of four hours to just like hang out and enjoy the night before I played. Um, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, you seem you didn't seem too um, too drunk or anything when I arrived. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't drink. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I might have the occasional wine with a meal or something, or, ah. or you know, something like a, I don't know, maybe occasional cider. But I don't like beer, and yeah, I don't really drink spirits. That's all right. Yeah. It kind of, I don't know. The hangover just got so bad that um, you know, I just thought if I was, I've had my best drinking years are behind me. You know, it's only going to get worse. <laughs> it's, it's just really, it's just weird hearing this from a Scot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I I beat all the stereotypes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not stingy with money either. Oh, really? <laughs> That's incredible. Scott that doesn't drink. Yeah. No, I, I always did, you know, especially, you know, when I was younger at uni and stuff like that, or just, you know, it's just part of the culture. Um, but yeah, as I got older, uh, and particularly I started gigging more, you know, and I was like drink, drinking at gigs and then just the next day just feels so awful and all, all the, you know, any kind of magic from the night before was just kind of lost in this uh, yeah, horrible feeling <laughs> of just like wanting to die. <laughs> it's, it's not fun, especially when you're in the arse end of nowhere and you have, it's like, you know, 10 hours traveling back to get you home and, yeah. you know, stinking hangover. That's not fun. Yeah, no, it's uh, certainly not. Yeah. Well, that answers the question that um, Matt Dopamine asked. Said, yeah. How's the hangover? So <laughs> Absolutely fine. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> uh, right. So let's get into it. Uh, where should we start? We got, um, we got time. The, the weird thing is, is that like, obviously I saw you last night and we've probably done 10 interviews yeah. in between now and then just chatting about everything, you know, certain music and personal related. Um, there is a few people that have sent in questions to the Facebook and we will get onto them later. Um, but one of the questions, which I think is probably a nice place to start, was when was the moment you decided to, you know, be Headflux? Mm. Well, um, I, I, came, I came up with the name Headflux back in about um, 2003. Um, I started running a night in London called Breaks Even. Uh, this was, I uh, see what you've done there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, broke even a few times, but... Uh, um, yeah, so I started that and uh, I'd, uh, you know, I'd been playing drum and bass throughout the 90s and kind of, you know, rave and hardcore and uh, in my sort of younger years, sort of early 90s. And I kind of had a bit of a break from it. I actually sold my decks in like 
1999 I thought I was kind of done with it and then moved down south uh, to go to uni and started going to parties in London and that's when I started hearing breaks and stuff uh, and I just thought I have to I have to get back into this <laughs> so I was you know producing I was trying to make sort of uh, you know this was kind of like I guess in the peak of this sort of new school right. you know when hum was on oh, and right, stuff okay. like that yeah so I was going to hum uh and, you know, right there up the front with my wife during your sets and everything. <laughs> uh, those were some of the best parties ever. Um, uh, yeah, really inspirational. And so, um, yeah, it wasn't like the New School Breaks Forum yeah. and that kind of thing by then. And so, yeah, I came up with the name Headflux um, and uh, as my, my new kind of DJ name and um, started running a night in London. And we ran about seven or eight of them. And then it, it was going pretty well. And then... Uh, uh, the end started putting on a breaks night on the same night as ours. Is that chewing the fat? Uh, yes, to the fat, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, you know we lost a lot of you know, traffic to that and stuff, and you know it was just kind of getting harder to run anyway. You yeah. know, the two of us didn't live in London, so we were coming into London to do flyering and all that kind of thing. It was hard work, <laughs> but it was fun. Um, and so yeah, so I played out a bit from there, and I was getting more and more gigs um, and working on my production. Um, I sort of finished, well, released my first breaks track in like 2008, I think. Right, okay. Uh, on Sinister. On Sinister? Sinister, Go yeah. Paul. Uh, yeah, yeah. The funny, the funny thing is, he lives down the road. Oh, really? And he drinks at my local pub. <laughs> oh, no way. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 I bump into him quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, you know, I just met him once, but I kind of just, I guess, came in at a sort of a, a time for them when they were actually just quite close to, you know, breaking up and shutting down. So yeah. I did like two releases for them, and then, um, you know, then I just, you know, they weren't responding to emails and stuff. They just kind of disappeared. Right. And then I heard that, you know, they, they'd, uh, you know, basically f- finished it up. So I was kind of left without a label. Um, and uh, I knew Dom Smart from Far yep. Too Loud, who's obviously a big inspiration. You know, those guys really um, did the Cybreaks thing. You know, well, big uh, and just um, just to backtrack a little bit because yeah. um, Far Too Loud originally was to three people, weren't it? Originally, there yeah, was three yeah. of them. Yeah. I don't know the other guy, but um, but then one of them left, and then it was just Dom and um, Ollie. Ollie. Yeah, and then and then Dom left afterwards, and then yeah. um, Ollie continued on his own. So I just want because a lot, of, uh, you know, it's, it's, we know this stuff, but yeah. obviously there's there's people out there that wouldn't realise, and they just see Ollie and go, oh, "Far too loud." What do you mean? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, far too loud was more than one person that you know through through the history of Far yeah. too loud. I guess. Yeah, sorry, mate. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah fine. so so yeah, the, the, those guys had really kind of set the seen as far as this, the Cybreaks thing was concerned and I was really into it and um, yeah I just kind of ran with it and so Dom started Broken Robot to obviously be a Cybreaks label and so yeah I started releasing through him and um, I, I you know so all, all this time I mean it was my dream since a very young age I mean I start, I probably started listening to like rave music when I was about 12 maybe something and it was just the coolest thing I'd ever heard how, how old are you now? <laughs> I'm 36 Jesus I, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I, I genuinely thought you were younger yeah uh, <laughs> Because I think it's your enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, where were we? Um, Rave. Um, Rave being an influence. Yes, yeah, so that's right. Electronic music, rave, uh, early 90s, just, it was just the coolest thing. I just developed an obsession with it and I was, I started DJing really young. I was uh, DJing at like school discos and things like that, you know, and uh, um, yeah, it was just always always a passion. But I kind of kept it. In my mind, it was kind of separate from, you know, uh, school and studies and work and things like that. I mean, I was kind of quite into physics and maths at school. Um, and, uh, you know, it was kind of really the only subjects I was doing really well in. <laughs> you, you, so, your job before music was you were... Uh 
Uh, is it quantum physics? Well, I know you're really yeah. smart. I know that. <laughs> so I'll get the short version of the full story. But um, yeah, so I went to uni to study physics. Um, and, uh, well, you know, I was DJing throughout uni and stuff as well. I, I, you know, I'm teaching myself production. Um, but I was kind of curious, you know, about physics and maths. I had lots of questions and I was kind of good enough at it to, uh, you know, get, get through. Um, so, yeah, I carried that on. I did a degree and a PhD down in in. Uh, Guildford University yeah. of Surrey yeah I, I finished my PhD when I was 25 that was in right. uh, 2005 and I went into a job in IT um, uh, which you know I mean I just I, I I didn't know what I wanted to do career wise you know right. I just kind of wanted to you know get get a decent job make decent money obviously and so I went into IT uh, I did that for five years um, and uh, you know the whole time I was pretty miserable I gotta say but, I but was you making it. music at the same time and, 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 yeah, yeah, and sort yeah. of participating in the scene yeah, so I was still playing out a lot at weekends um, and, uh, yeah, working on production in the evenings. Um, you know, it would just be a case of just, like, getting home, having dinner, and then just getting on the computer and making beats. And um, and then just what happened is uh, as I started to release music and share music online, um, just, you know, people were getting really excited. Opportunity was coming in. A little bit of money here, a little bit of money there. You know, get, you know, you started out getting, like, you know, doing gigs for free, and then you're getting, like, 40 quid, and then it's, like, you know, you yep. go a bit further afield, you get 80 quid, and then somewhere else, and it's, like, 100. And then yep. I started to think, you know, this is great. And, and, you know, it's not just about the money, of course, but I was, like, making people really happy. And the thing is, like, what, what I was doing in physics, I mean... Uh, there was only like probably about three other scientists in the world who actually gave a shit about what I was doing. It's so niche. Right. Uh, and that's the thing with the PhD. It's so specialized um, that usually there's hardly anyone else who actually cares about what you're doing. You know, it's very, very specialist. And so I felt really, I don't know, I guess isolated with that. Yeah, so, you know, the music was just, the music was growing, you know, it was growing. It was exciting me. Things were happening. Uh, and I started to think, you know what, maybe I could do this as a living, which is kind of what I've always wanted to do right. anyway. And the more I just kind of looked within myself and the more I realized that, yeah, it's always been about the music, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all my life, you know. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't be satisfied if you didn't yeah. try to do what you're doing now. Yeah, exactly. Everything yeah. else was a distraction from the music, really. Right. You know, um, I, I, you know I, I did what I had to do. I'm, you know, I'm glad I did the things I did, but um, uh, I guess I didn't believe I could have a career as a musician I didn't you know growing up I didn't know any professional musicians or anything like right. that you know I didn't live in London surrounded right. by all this talent you know um, it didn't seem real to me when I was younger but then you know once I started putting stuff out it started to seem like I was actually within my well, when, range I guess when you start sort of when you see you see a little bit of income for something that you you love doing, it makes it a little bit more real. Yeah, you know? yeah. Because it's like actually I can do this, and also you know you, you travel the world now, so yeah. you meet a lot of like-minded people, and you meet people in the same situation as you, and yeah, like. You're not, you're not alone, you know. Yeah. And a lot of the things that you go through and a lot of the things that you encounter when you sit down and chat to other producers or DJs and they have a very similar story, mm. even though how they re reach that point may be very different, but yeah. what they go through, you know, you know, it's, it's like um, counselling, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. The the way, and that was completely unexpected to me. I mean, I never really thought about it, but when you start releasing music, yeah, just people who are like you come 
come into your life. It's really bizarre. I mean, when I was in uni, you know, my PhD, I mean, I, you know, I had great supervisors and stuff and, you know, my job, you know, I had colleagues, but generally I felt like kind of an outsider or like a pretender, you know, I was just kind of like, I, I was there pretending to be this person, uh, you know, because that was my job yep. and it was certain expectations, but, um, but the real me was just, you know, all about the music and this kind of thing. <laughs> daydreaming about writing know, <laughs> yeah, right yeah, I've always been a bit of a dreamer and a bit of an idealist, but um, yeah, so... So that's how, you, that's how we get to where we are now. Yeah, so that, that takes us to 2010. Right. Um, and uh, things were uh, not going so well at the company I was working for, like people were getting laid off and it, it was basically going in reverse. You know, I kind of joined it when I was like the second employee and we built it up to like 15 people. And then, like, the 2008 economy crash hit, yeah. and then it started going down and down and down until I was one of the last left. Uh, and I was like, I have to do something else. I don't want another job in this industry because I'm not, you know, I'm not into it. It was like sort of finance, uh, finance software, that kind of right. thing. Um, and, yeah, for in, in sort of 2009, in the early part of 2010, I was considering all sorts of possible career options like I was considering teaching and um yeah all kinds of different like corporate jobs but at the same time the music was doing really well you know people, I was getting emails every day from people love your music love this and I'm thinking you know this this is what I have to do you know um, yeah. and we, we my wife was pregnant um with our first daughter Ava and she was born in April 2010 uh, and I actually handed in my notice that month. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, uh, you know, as a, as, a, as a good kind of encouraging uh, sign, I, I released a track, uh, also released a track that month called Mind Cell, which, uh, yeah, which just blew up. Yeah, yeah it was absolutely. Like number one on Beatport for three months in, was, in the break charts. It was a charts. huge track, yeah. Um, and so that was really encouraging. And I was just like, yeah, you know, yeah. let's. Well, let's I'd, I'd met you. Before that, I think, but that was that was you. That's when you came on my radar as a as a as a real sort of force, real you know, production yeah. force. Um, but I think we played a, a broken robot party before that. That's right. Yeah, I think, and that that's was where we the, met. I think. Yeah, the winter before. That, yeah, yeah, the Scala. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, I, although I, I'd met you and I knew who you were, but that track, I was just like Jesus, <laughs> because it didn't. That track never. It didn't leave the chart for a long time. Didn't yeah, it? it was yeah. in that chart. You know, but but then. In the same breath is that side breaks, you know, I, I say side breaks, I, I don't know what you call it, but that's mm. what I would perceive yeah, it yeah. as. That that was, it, it kind of hit a stride with that track, I think. Mm. It was like, actually, look, you know, stripped back, but but high high production values. Yeah. That, you, know, that, you know, it's like, look what you can do. You know, yeah, I've yeah. had my son in the background. <laughs> um, but, um, and... And from that moment, I think I think you kind of redefined the genre. You know, mm. whether, you know whether or not you set out to go. You know, it's like no. Mm. I guess that there were all those tracks that you made before would lead into that moment. Yeah. Whether yeah. You, you knew or not that that was the track that was going to do it, that track was the track that done it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it put you know it put it got a lot of people that that didn't want electro breaks mm -hmm. you know or or booty bass or whatever you want to call it do you know what i mean which 
you know, his kind of stereotypical breaks. It was people, yeah. you know, it was people looking for something a little bit more substance. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, that um, huge track. Um, well done. Ah, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it won a Bricks Paul Award as well. It, wow. Yeah, best track. Yeah. Really. <laughs> and, and that was the last time Cy Breaks got into Breaks What a bone of contention that is. Yeah, no, that was very, very surprising. But um, uh, you know, I guess down to the people that voted for it. You know, yep. uh, thank you to you if you did you know i mean that was again really encouraging you know um so i mean there was you know a whole series of you know really just encouraging things that happened yeah. that made me think and, and you know this whole i mean it's been like five years now uh well nearly five years um and uh all along the way just awesome things have happened you know that just make you think you know i'm definitely on the right path in life yeah um you know that's not to say it's easy and without <laughs> challenge of course uh, you know there's been a lot of despair as well but some of the things that have happened have just been so amazing and encouraging that it's just like I'm like sure I've made the right choice to yeah. do this you know it's funny about um, just uh, just because we mentioned breaks poll um I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm just going to spurt it out, what yeah. I think. Yeah, no, please <laughs> do. Because it's, it's my podcast and I get to say my opinion, whether people like it or not. Um, it, it's, it's quite mad that that Cybreaks hasn't seen the respect from, the, you know, for, from Breaks Poll, you would imagine, because... Mm. It it is a big it is a big enough scene yeah and the music is you know it does very well mm. you know I've DJed with you actually all over the world yeah you know yeah. in you know most continents apart yeah. from Russia I don't think played, but <laughs> but we, you know we we've played all over and we're, we're quite different yeah. as DJs and we quite come from a different thing but. In the same environment, you know, like like last night, it works. It, yeah, it, it yeah. works. You know, no one's going. Oh my god, look! You know, the tempo's changing. And there's <laughs> totally a lot. There's a lot of overlap. And yeah, as I said, you know, like I mean, going to hum and listening to your sets in particular, you know, were were always my favourite uh, sets. Yeah, so that's kind of come into what I do. But then, you know, after that, I you know, I started going to festivals a lot and yeah. hearing psytrance and everything. So I was kind of fusing that with it. You know, it's just funny because like Broken Robot as as a as a label, I would imagine that. Like, you know, every year they would have a, have a decent shout in breaks, Paul. But for mm. some people, you know, I guess the, the way that it's set up, mm. it's almost, it's kind of stereotypical. And it's, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, yeah, I, I guess my perception of it has been that there's actually quite a tight-knit group of kind of London DJs and producers who, you know... Uh, uh, are you know who run it and uh, everything yeah. i'm not you know i'm not really part of i mean i know them you know <laughs> yeah. from you know association but um um yeah you know and it's their party you know at yeah. the end of the day they're gonna invite their friends and everything and well, you would have thought American, the American dudes, like people like um Keith McKenzie and um 1111, like th those guys. Are, are you know arguably some of the most popular breaks out mm. there? They they never get a shout on it. Yeah, yeah. They don't even get mentioned. Yeah. So it's kind of it's, it's not really that representative of the overall scene. Yeah, that would be pretty hard to do though, wouldn't it? To actually yeah. be. Well, it'd be like well, having you know the drum and bass awards are worldwide. You mm, know. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe. Don't maybe know. it's just I, a little genre. And, yeah, you know, I mean, we're, we're just thinking about it as a as a bigger entity yeah. than what it really is. I mean, it's a tough one because, you know, Breaks has obviously declined in popularity. I mean, everyone everyone knows that. And, you know, Breaks was obviously, you know, tried to keep going in, in face of that. Um, but, I mean, I went 
you know, the first one I went to was the one where I won the award. So right. I was just like kind of deliriously <laughs> happy. Um, uh, but then I went uh, uh, the year after, I don't know, it was t- 2012, I think. Um, and uh, I was up for, uh, I was up for nomination in a couple of categories. Um, and, uh, and then I realized that like my, uh, my set, I was playing my set at the time the nominations were on. No. So I was like, oh, I guess I haven't what? won anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, right, I gotta go and play my set before they even announce my uh, right on the wall. Yeah. Let me know if I win anything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I, I mean, you know, I don't know. I, I thought there's a lot of cynicism about it, isn't yeah. there? I mean, yeah. uh, and they had like a uh, high rank in doing the um, announcements and he was did, just, you know. Did he, he was, turn up? Because <laughs> the second year he was doing, he didn't show up. Yeah. <laughs> well, the year, he did it the year I was there, and uh, you know he was just he was just ripping on bricks yeah. like big time. Yeah, and it was, you know it was it was funny, but um, you know there is a lot of cynicism. People get cynical about you know uh, you know asking for votes and you know uh, you know trying to you know sway people one way or another and everything. And I, I do think it's one of the more cynical parties uh, I've been to uh, just in general in that regard. But you know, yeah, and maybe any award ceremony is going to be cynical. You're, you're, you know. Where, where was the one that you done? Uh, the um, the cable. 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 Yeah, that, was, yeah. that was good venue, that was. Yeah. yeah. It turned into car park, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's car park now, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> London properties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess there is, you know, there's a lot of cynicism because there's so many losers, isn't there? I mean, you know, yeah. you're going to get your, your winners and stuff, but then there's a lot of people who are going to be left thinking, oh, you know, they shouldn't have got this, they shouldn't have got that. And so uh, I, I feel like just the, the energy around it on the whole is one of kind of cynicism, you know, and yeah. I don't know if that can be helped, you know. No. It's well, probably the same, it's probably the same with the Oscars, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it's all glitz and glamour, most people are just like, they're well, sitting there, they're clapping, <laughs> thinking, wanker. <laughs> yeah. Really? She doesn't deserve that. Look what she's wearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of, uh, you know, a, when you try to, uh, when it's something like music, something so subjective as music, and you, you try to set in stone, you know, who's the best and all that kind of thing, it's, yeah, you know, it can only be for a laugh. You know, it's never going to be that serious, is it? I mean, because no. it's, it's always changing. You know, it's just like you know, there's always new music, there's always new artists. I mean, it's really hard to just kind of pick a point in time and say this is the best of this. This is the best. Of this. I don't know. No. Uh, yeah. Well, sorry, sorry for interrupting you. Sounds because we got on breaks, but I just thought it's probably worth. No, yeah, it's worth. Because I yeah. just wanted to get your thoughts on it. As well. I know yeah. what I think, but I was just interested to hear it. Yeah, from no, someone I probably else. wouldn't get involved with it again. Actually, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I didn't, I, you know, I didn't like asking people for votes and chase because. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's not really. It what really, it's about. it really, t- <laughs> it just really takes a little bit out of you, doesn't it? Going, yeah. Please vote for me, and, and then, yeah, we were like a politician then, or something. Yeah, and then you have to explain why. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like you feel like such a dick. I'm like, you should vote for me because I'm good at what I do. Yeah, and as you're saying it, you're kind of thinking, oh, fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and also is that you know you kind of want to highlight the, the achievements. You know, it's like sometimes I'd like lot forty nine to to get votes for for the things that we do but then i always think well we're not really strictly breaks anyway mm, so i I'd yeah. feel a bit i feel a bit like bad for, for the labels that are really dedicated to the scene that, yeah. that probably deserve a, a nomination or a vote or to win a lot more than we do yeah yeah you know so you kind of you know like you say is that it, it is subjective do you yeah, know what i mean yeah so. well i mean that just uh, on a point there you said you know it, it, is it really bricked you know I mean this has been something that's kind of 
you know, been around my music for quite a while, you know, there's some people who say it's not breaks, uh, and some people say it is. I mean, I, I don't, you know, personally care what, what you want to call it, but um, it's just how I like to make music, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I just got an email from someone the other day. He was like, why do you call it Psy Breaks when it's basically just Psy Trance, but with snare drums on the two and four <laughs> instead of... <laughs> and I'm like, well... <sighs> I was like, I don't know, it's, it, you know, you can't call it trance and you can't call it breaks, you know, yeah. it, but it's just an eight beat groove. It's like, you know, kick, snare, kick, snare. Yep. It's like the simplest, yep. you know, the simplest breaks groove, oh, yeah. right? I mean, uh, and why isn't there a category for that? You know, if it's not breaky enough, not trancy enough. Like, but when there's a kick snare category, I'll put it in there. Well, this is why I always like the term tech funk. Yeah. I thought that really ca captured it. And so, you know, I, I started using the term psychedelic yeah. tech funk. Which it kind of is, um, do you know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of a good... A good I like um, it. It's probably never yeah. going to be a genre on Beatport, but... <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good description yeah. of the sound, you know? Yeah. And well, that, well, that's um, <coughs> it's, an, it's an interesting thing of, like, how people perceive you know, breaks, because I, I guess the argument is if it hasn't got a a, a, a break beat in it, mm. then it's not breaks. But then you can argue that you have disco breaks that are 4-4. Four, four. Mm. So yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of it, it squashes the argument that breaks has to be a broken pattern. Yeah. Because, um, you know, is that you can have... You know, there's a lot of breaks that are just, you know, break from the music because that's yeah. where originally it came from. Like yeah, the break yeah. was when the music stopped and the drummer broke from yeah. the track. That you can have a four-four break, so yeah. it kind of is. It it doesn't make sense to yeah, me, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, we could go down. We could go, we could go on forever. Yeah, you know, like what defines breaks? I know. Yeah, it's we got on the break subject one. relatively quickly, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I think it's I think it's worth addressing. I mean, people do kind of think about this, and you like to have you know good names for things. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so what I've done is always kind of fallen between the cracks in, yeah. in a way. Um, uh, you know, I did start. You know, after a while, well, in, in the beginning, I was playing mostly breaks parties, um, and then I started getting booked for side trance parties, um, and that was you know that was interesting. First off, it'd be like warming up for. Yeah, because they just have like full on side trance all night a lot of the time. Right. You know, so I'd be playing at like twelve, and then someone just come on after me and go like ten BPM higher than me, and it'd just be off for the rest of the night. You know, and then as that developed, you know, there was more, you know, more progressive, and it, you know, it, it kind of works nicely. I play probably more side trance parties than I do play breaks parties right. now, but that could be because side trance is thriving and breaks isn't. You know, yes. so yeah, side trance has really made a big comeback in the last yeah. few years. Huge, huge comeback. Yeah, um, and it's truly global. As well, I mean, oh, there's a scene in every country, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe except America. <laughs> <laughs> well, saying that though, it's, yeah, like, it's I small, still, but it's, it's small, yeah. but you know, mm. you get to a place like South Africa and places like mm. that, there's a scene, you know, whereas I don't know if there's a a breakbeat scene in South Africa. Well, yeah, actually, on but that, I, I played in South Africa last year at a side trance festival. Um, <laughs> uh, it was like a 24-hour sort of festival, one stage, 3,000 people. Um, and uh, 
there'd never been anything. It's been running for 17 years, and there'd never been anything but Psytrance played at that event. And I was the first act <laughs> to not play Psytrance. Um, and uh, whilst on the whole, it was uh, very successful. There were some people who were really annoyed during my set and were throwing things uh, right. at me and stuff. Like, re- like two guys down the front were like just really angry. They were just like, yeah, their tops off, they're all muscly, and they're just going, Whoa, what is this shit? And they were like throwing things and stuff. And when you're standing there in front of like 3,000 people, you know, you feel so vulnerable. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you really do. It was, uh, it was quite scary and I, it kind of um, you know even though you know end of the set everyone's cheering you know you know people yep. are in the zone enjoying it but just the those few people who um, really didn't like it just kind of stuck with me for so long and kind of really started getting me questioning myself yep. and everything you know how you shouldn't you shouldn't let it get to yeah. you it's, it's, it's like um, when you release a piece of music like you can have I know 50 under great comments about about that piece of music one person has to just say one negative thing yeah and you forget about all the good comments <laughs> and you just obsess over the one and it's the same with shows you know is that yeah you can have an absolute kicking show and one person after you is i wasn't really feeling what you're playing why don't you play this or that and you walk away from that gig kind of like being kicked in the nuts you yeah, know yeah. I thought I'd done a really good job and you know and you know that yeah. the place is rocking but you can't unfortunately is that 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 is something that comes with with doing something artistic yeah you, you can't please everyone yourself, yeah, you know yeah. um, and even when you're at your best someone just might not be feeling it yeah yeah you know, I got I got um for a different reason I, I mean I mentioned this in the podcast when I was talking to Shaq um I was playing at a, a, an event in Hong Kong and I looked up and I got a, a bottle of water in the eye <laughs> and it, honestly it nearly knocked me off my feet oh, um God. and someone had just thrown a I decided to throw a bottle of water at me and it was full bottle and it just, just had a bruise a shiner and um and the weird thing was is I didn't really know how to deal with it. Yeah. You know, like, because I had my head down, I looked up, and someone just threw it. Like, yeah. and, and the party was absolutely just going off. And, yeah. I, and, yeah. I, and some guy just decided that that was the moment yeah. to throw something at me. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, at least it wasn't a glass pole. No, no, no. <laughs> but still, well, yeah. it's full, yeah, it's going to be... So, you, uh, you know, still, you're, not alone, yeah. you're not alone with that well, feeling. Well, nothing hit me in South Africa, I'm glad <laughs> to say. It's quite far back from the crowd. So, uh, yeah, I was just kind of like, saw a few kind of things just like hurling in my direction. I was like seeing these guys just like... Yeah, well, look, have you, like, um, there's a lot of stuff going on at the moment, especially in um, like Vegas with um, DJs being stopped at their own shows for playing their own music. It's happened a few times. Just D- DJ being stopped by the promoter. DJ, yeah, DJ Shadow got kicked off decks at his own show. That. Yeah, um, There's footage of it. I, I just think, uh, I think that's just ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and there was another, I can't remember his name, house DJ, uh, Mark Farina. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like yeah. in America, he's a house legend, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, a, you know, he's a big name. Getting told to play something different at his own show where mm-hmm. he's the headline, it's like, that, that's got to be the most unprofessional <laughs> podcast on the planet. <laughs> I left my phone on. I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> I think I think the thing is like when you get when you get booked to play and obviously you know, if you turn up and start playing dubstep and you you know you, and that's not what you play mm. of course people are going to go what the hell's going on but you know I guess if the idea is that if people do follow you follow your music mm. follow the mixes your output everything you put out there should be no surprises yeah 
Yeah. You know, like I think most of the most of the people, certainly established people, are quite proactive these days on mm. online, kind of letting everyone know what they're about, what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, there shouldn't be any surprises, mm. really. But then, but then, yeah, you have to think about like in any given crowd, like how many people actually know who you are. You know, I mean, I've spoken to promoters about this, and you know, I get varying things, but. You, I mean, some people have said like probably like two thirds to like three quarters of the people are probably just there and don't know who you are. They're just there for the party, um, and that's going to vary from party to party. Of well, course, you probably play more festivals than I yeah, do. Yeah, um, because most of the club shows that I play, I'm one of the headline DJs. So the mm-hmm. whole premise yeah. of the the party itself is is that you're you're you know you're you're one of the main attractions. Oh, of so course. I kind of you know, but my, loads my, of people just go to parties because their friends are going. And don't actually take that much of yeah. an interest in the the you know the music and the scene and stuff. They just go for the party, you know. I yeah. think, but maybe it's not as much as we think. Of, I, I think of fe- think of festivals. You're kind of more likely to get um, a lot more kind of people to stumble upon you, mm. whether they like it or whether they don't like yeah. it. You know. Um, it, um, funny enough, um, there was a, it was quite interesting that. Um, played at the Rainbow Serpent. I know you played there mm. as well. And, um, you know, I had a, I had a fantastic show. You know, and it's an awesome festival, it's mm. got to be said. And um, there was just some guy just really being negative about what I was playing. And, and it was like kind of as, as if if you wasn't there and you hadn't seen what was going on, mm. the impression that he was giving off online was, I bombed. Yeah. And... And it was a, that was really that wasn't the correct thing, and I'm, you know, and you kind of like this is where sometimes your hands are tied. I wanted to say to him, it's like, well, I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it, but that isn't what happened. You yeah. know, yeah. I was looking out on a sea of people just going crazy, and I don't know, I don't know which part of that, yeah, <laughs> where you was that you wasn't feeling it to the to the amount that like you, you're potentially saying that it was so bad that future people won't check out what you do yeah so you kind of almost like it, it's um it, it you know some, one person's opinion online mm-hmm. can be really a, a loud voice sometimes mm-hmm. you, know? Yeah, yeah. you know i didn't say anything you know but i i really wanted to yeah so i bit my tongue but that was one of those sort of situations yeah that's because you don't want to get into this situation where you're trying to defend your own self-worth yeah. against some internet troll <laughs> I, know, I, know. <laughs> I mean the thing is you know i walk around festivals you know rainbow Stafford. i mean i played there twice two of the best gigs of my life you know yeah, it was awesome, awesome. Yeah. yeah but you know i spent heaps of time walking around to stages and being like i'm not feeling this i'm gonna go walk somewhere else of course you do yeah. but i don't then go on the internet and say oh yeah i walked into the stage you know me k was playing it was rubbish <laughs> yeah you know he's you know what's the point in saying, <laughs> Well, I think it's kind of it, it, it. You know, when after festivals, you kind of a lot of people do like a review of mm. of like of their experience. Yeah, and I, I you know, the, the thing, funny thing about this guy was he took it upon himself to not really say anything positive about anyone else. He just took it upon himself to say negative <laughs> stuff, and I was in the firing line. <laughs> you know, and I was thinking, just say something positive about someone else and leave me out. Yeah, <laughs> you know. No, I've not. Uh, I've not really had any internet haters. I, well, there was a couple, like a couple of times. I can't remember exactly what it was. Someone had posted something on a, a thread that was just like really negative, but then they deleted it, you know, afterwards. But I got the notification on the email, oh, so I'm so just you like, saw it, yeah, I go yeah. check it, and it's gone, you know. Um, but I've, I've not really had uh, much 
uh, bother with haters but then I've not really been in the game that long you know so uh, I'm sure the longer you are in the game the more you get it oh, I've had a lot of hate now <laughs> over the years I've had destroying breaks apparently yeah. <laughs> what from from breaks fans yeah, right? yeah. real break hardcore breaks fans just thinking that I've ruined it for them yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird with breaks isn't it there's like uh, there's this kind of expectation if you're making breaks you're some kind of martyr that you know you're going to be kind of breaks till you die <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, I'm you know I'm keen to make some for the floor stuff actually, yeah. but um, uh, you know, but I'm not just gonna rule it out. I mean, it's just you know, you just gotta make what you're feeling, don't you? And have you made have you made any kind of straight up psychedelic trance? Um, I actually a lot of the tunes, uh, a lot of my breaks tunes started as uh, attempts at side trance, but then um, yeah, you know, I mean, I can, I can make a really kicking side trance groove, but then uh, I often just get a bit with it and then want to do something more with it but, um, and I, I like that that steppy feel of the kick and the snare up. that kind of yeah. down up down yeah. up I really like that it, it kind of uh, helps me to make better bass lines I think and right. we've got just kick drums I tend to just get stuck in just that one beat loop you know boom yeah. boom, boom, boom boom you know or digga, 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 <laughs> or whatever it is you know um, but when I've got kicks and snares I tend to make more kind of phrases like you know two bar or four bar bass line phrases rather than just a, a looping yeah. yeah, a looping note or whatever. Um, uh, not always, but you know it does tend to you know do that with me. So um, yeah, but I haven't made any just straight up side trance, and I you know I don't I don't know if I ever will. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to make some floor to the floor stuff. It'll probably yeah. come out quite trancey, maybe a bit techy. I don't yeah, know. yeah, it's feeling techno. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, saw some amazing sets at Noisley Festival this year. Um, All right, Max Cooper and yeah, yeah. Slam. Yeah, Slam. Are wicked. Slam. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah, yeah I yeah. didn't expect to like it actually. So I good. I was, I was glued to the dance floor yep. from the moment they started to the moment they finished. It was amazing. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, uh, and I, you know, lovely, lovely people. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like uh, you know, I had the pleasure of touring with them. Um, awesome people and they just kicked the shit out of it every night on this tour yeah, I mean yeah. they smashed the living daylights out of it <laughs> and I was like yeah I was just like fucking hell yeah it's so refined like yeah. um, that it's uh, I felt like I really got a new appreciation of techno yeah. all together listening to them uh, do you know yeah. the, the Gary Beck stuff as well have you seen this guy it's no. another Scottish guy Awesome, absolutely awesome, wicked. Yeah, um, yeah. Ch- check him out because he does. Um, and um, Slam now because he started. Rec- he was recording for Soma, mm-hmm. um, and now they do some stuff for his label. Uh, I think it's called Beck Audio. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, check it out if you like that sound. It, yeah. It's very good. Um, and everyone that's listening, check it out. Yeah, <laughs> I forget that which people are actually <laughs> yeah. listening to us. Yeah, is talk. this on? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Um, so out of interest, what part of Scotland are you originally from? Um, I'm from a small town near Dundee. Uh, it's over on the east coast, about 60 miles from Edinburgh. Right, uh, right. So, yeah. But you, you live in Nor- Norwich I, I live in Norwich now, yeah. So um, uh, I went to uh, uni in St Andrews, which was near where I grew up. Um, uh, and then I did my PhD at Guildford in Surrey. And then after that, I got a job in Guildford for a while, but then got made redundant pretty quickly and then got another job in Norwich, and that's when I moved there. Um, and uh, i kind of been there ever since. Um, I mean, I've been keen to move further south because, to be honest, most of my network is, you know, down in the southeast, southwest. Yeah, but that's um, where we are right now. <laughs> that's where we are now, yeah, yeah, and I do have to come down this way a lot. 
if if you could move anywhere, literally anywhere in the world, and I, and this isn't yeah. on the Facebook. I just wanted to ask you because somebody somebody mentioned it to me on on Facebook, and I just thought it's quite an interesting question to to present to anyone. Yeah, where, where well, would you go? This is, I mean, it's a really good question because I, I, I when I started going full time with music, and I realised that. Um, Basically, I can do my job anywhere as long as I have a Wi-Fi connection and an international airport, right? Yep. I mean, you could yep. be, you could do your job from anywhere. Um, so then it was like, well, then where? <laughs> because people, I mean, people generally move house for a particular opportunity. You know, they get a job yep. there or whatever. They have friends there or something. But when you've got friends all over the place um, and you can do your job anywhere, how do you decide where you want to live? You yeah. know, and and that's been a bit, a bit of an issue for me because. Um, uh, been to a lot of amazing places in the world, um, you know, New Zealand, for example. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh my god, it was just an absolute paradise. Um, I'd love to live in New Zealand, but it's so remote, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of great artists from New Zealand, but you know, they then move to Australia or to Europe yeah. or to America because um, it's just too hard for them to be a full-time artist in such a small country. Um, but uh, you know the, the inspiration that these musicians get from living there, the, yeah. from the land, from the yeah. beauty of it, the, the unspoiled um, beauty of it, um, is amazing. You know, and uh, um, I, I'm kind of a bit envious of that. But yeah, something like New Zealand is maybe kind of a, a retirement right. option. Yeah. Eh? yeah, I think uh, probably not good for business <laughs> to move to New Zealand now. <laughs> Have you ever been to Queenstown? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh my no. god, uh, I, that's one of the most. Probably the most beautiful place I've ever been. Yeah, I'd, um, I I had one show and um, it was like in snowboard season, so the party was packed. It was lovely. It was a great show. And it was on a Tuesday, and I and I didn't have another gig to the Friday. So and I, I was supposed to fly out the next day. And I just extended. My, I saw my own and mm. I extended my stage because I just wanted to stay. I was just absolutely in awe. I walked around the whole place with my jaw on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, just, like turn around every corner is just the most divine. Yeah. Parad- paradise like beauty everywhere you look it's just like what yeah. <laughs> I, I like Melbourne as well I like I'm, Melbourne I do love I'm Melbourne I'm very keen on Melbourne yeah like a lot of friends there great yeah. nightlife isn't it there's just so much to do and it, it's a very uh, it's just a creative city yeah you know just a very nice city yeah. I liked Montreal as well uh, yeah I was, I've been there but only very briefly but yeah um, no, I do, I do love Australia actually. Melbourne and, and Perth. Uh, Perth's Perth great, is it? awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah, beautiful city. Um, yeah, I think if I was to live in a city, I'm not much of a city person. I don't think I would ever move into London, for example. But if I was to move to a big city, Perth would be up there. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but I also love America. You know. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think Americans get a bit of a bad a bad rep because, like. You know, so, so I've got friend, friends that are American that are just, um, you know, the most intelligent, considerate people I know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, But the stereotypical American, the way that people f- perceive them, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of inaccurate. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, we largely perceive Americans through the media, don't we? And, yeah. you know, I was say this to my American friends that... You know, I just grew up, you know, I didn't have any American friends growing up. I didn't go to America. I mean, I went to Disneyland when I was like 12 or something. But, um, you know, it's not exactly representative, is it? Uh, Not really, no. But uh, generally, Americans uh, were things, people I saw on the TV. 
you know, it, yeah. it came through the TV and they have this, you know, kind of coolness, this kind of aura, obviously, you know, all actors and things that you're seeing. Um, and so, yeah, when I was older and I kind of went there and toured America, you know, and, um, it was, yeah, it was really like being in a dreamland a lot of the time, yeah. you know, it's, it's actually, you know, a lot like what you see on the TV, but it's also way better in a lot yeah. of ways and way worse in other ways. It's this land yeah. of extreme polarity, isn't it? Yes, like, yeah, it's the best yeah. of everything and the worst of everything. Kind yeah. Of, uh, it's the same, you know, especially being a, a DJ and being out in the marketplace, as it were, you get to see literally the, the best and the worst. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, when it's bad, you're just like, oh, God, you know, but then, you know, you have little little moments where it's just an, an incredible place to be and you see, uh, have you been to Burning Man? No. All oh, right. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. Because <laughs> yeah. I would have thought you'd have been a hardened burner. Uh, yeah, well, I probably would be if I could afford it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess um, it's the one gig where you pay to be there. And, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to get done at some point. Every year I see the videos and the pictures and everything. I'm just like, oh my God, I need yeah. to go there. Yeah. And that, that's a good example because you get to see the absolute best in people. Obviously, there's a huge contingent from all over the world. It's not mm. just Americans, but it still amazes me that that takes place in America mm. when you consider the laws yeah. and how strict they are, and a lot a lot of the things are, are a little bit more lax in Europe. Yeah, yeah, you know that this actually takes place in America. Um, well, yeah, I mean, we played in the summer aesthetic evolution yeah, in yeah. Idaho. Um, some, the guys there that run that festival are some of my best friends in the world. Uh, I, I love them to bits, and they put on this great festival. Although it's it was the last one yeah. uh, they decided to stop it they had 10 great years you know just run it perfectly and all above board pr make, making profits great lineup and it's just this haven of freedom uh in, in in actually the reddest state in america it's like one of the most conservative states in america but yet right there in the middle of it they've created this place that's just completely free and open yeah. and beautiful uh it's amazing what, what they did there um yeah, I love it. It's very close yeah. to my heart, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to give them... Funny enough, I gave them a, sh a shout earlier in the show, but um, uh, Dave and Jess... Uh yeah, Devin as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Awesome guys. Uh, Devin just uh, set up my first American tour, so they booked me to play in, in Boise uh, and set up shows in like uh, California and stuff as well. And I stayed with them for a week and uh, just uh, you know, you know, when you meet just meet people that uh, are just so lovely and yeah. you just have so much mutual respect and just endless stuff to talk about. You know, yeah. um, uh, I love those guys so much. Love you, Dave and Jess. <laughs> if you're listening, um, funny enough, I was talking to Jess a few weeks back, and um, we were talking about Shambhala because mm -hmm. um, you played this yeah, summer. Yeah, played there. Yeah, a couple of months yeah. ago. Yeah, um, and that that was obviously when, but they, they approached her to book you. But mm, yeah. um, how was that? Shambhala, yeah, it, it was amazing. I mean, that was a, um, yeah, like a, a, just a whole other level of festival, you know. I mean, it's a permanent site, you know, so the stages are always there, you know. Oh, right. They never take them down, they just kind of add to them. So they have an incredible uh, depth of design in the festival, you know, because it's not a temporary structure. Oh, okay, um, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, and it's all kind of in the woods and there's a, a, a river and, uh, yeah, re really beautiful. Um, and, and, yeah, really different musically as well. Uh, it was, you know, it was very, kind of uh you know breaks heavy like breaks in its broadest sense you yeah know? so like dubstep trap and you know hip-hop and drum and bass and you know all, right. all kind of like broken beat music i actually 
I didn't hear any psytrance, even though it was very much a psychedelic uh, event. But um, it was just interesting to see people, uh, yeah, just have, you know, having kind of the same uh, experiences as you know us, but to a completely different soundtrack. You know, the, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the psytrance, obviously, we mentioned it earlier, never really took off in America that much. I mean, there's a few kind of small um, groups doing it, but uh, in general, most of the the underground music is very hip hop influence, isn't it? It has yeah. that kind of swagger. Um, yeah, that's why booty bass works. Yeah, well, yeah, it's got the connection. Yeah, and whilst that was never my cup of tea when I was actually at Shambhala and I was, you know, in the in the setting and hearing it loud <laughs> yeah. and everything, I was loving it. You know, just dancing around like I'm a gangster. You know, <laughs> uh, it was like it was also like all the music seemed to be just infused with that kind of, you know, that kind of hip hop like uh, counterculture, anti-authority right. kind of uh, masculine energy. You know, that oh, comes yeah. through hip-hop everything seemed to have that and i actually you know compared to something like like psytrance or house music or whatever which doesn't really have that kind of energy in it at it's all it's not really a message yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know well it's a psychedelic one but uh, the, yeah. in, as a rule there you know it's like you say it's not there, there isn't really a message in it it's more of a good time music yeah yeah know? yeah um and it's much more instrumental as well yeah. you can get so many yeah. vocals and things but um but yeah, no, I, I loved it. It was uh, an eye opener in so many ways. Yeah, yeah, really uh, huge, huge festival. Yeah, um, it's on my places to play before I die. Yeah, <laughs> for now I've said it. I'll probably never play there. <laughs> um, so let's. Um, Shall we go back to a few of the questions that we got? Sure. Yeah. Um, because there's. Um, there's a few a few questions that I, I think are interesting, but and I'm sure listeners will as well. What's floating your boat? Um, not not just musically, but any artists in specific that have have grabbed your attention recently, or like current in influences, mm. whether whether new artists or established artists. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, uh, I I guess um, I have. I found it more difficult to find inspiration for music as the years have gone on, you know, for whatever reason. Um, actually, just as an aside, I saw an interview with Noisia, yeah. um, and they asked them, you know, who, who inspires you? And they were just like, nobody. <laughs> 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 no, I'm not saying nobody. I'll, I'll get to my inspirations in a second. But they, they said that basically they spent so much time being so critical of their own music that they really just couldn't really enjoy any other music. Now, they were, they, they were too critical in the way that they listened to it. Right. That, you know, they were putting everything through their own music. And uh, I, kind of, I kind of get that, you know, when you're just working on your own music day after day and always listening with a really critical ear and then you kind of put something on, you know, if you're not relaxed, if you're not in the right setting, if you just put it on in your studio yeah. to just check it out quickly, you can sometimes just be a bit overly critical and not actually... Um, appreciate the music in its full glory you know if you were relaxed and you know yeah. in the right environment um so ruined it for themselves yeah, <laughs> Basically. yeah. Uh, so, so so that does happen I, d I don't get as much time to just um sit and enjoy music at home like i used to since I started doing music full time you know just yeah. actually just relax yeah. and enjoy music um but uh, obviously i hear a lot of stuff when i'm out um, at festivals yeah. and things um so yeah i mean it changes i mean um you know Far too loud, as I say in the beginning, were influenced me with the Cybreak sound. Um, but then I was listening to you know lots of Psytrance, in particular a guy called Headroom from South Africa, who right. um, has a really fresh, uh, really techy sound that I think just stands out above the more generic sort of Psytrance oh, yeah, okay. sound. And he's always been a big inspiration. And then at the sort of other end of the spectrum, kind of slower music, I always really like Tipper. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And his his uh, new album. Um, 
Forward Escape uh, has been a really big um, influence this year. Just, um, I, I think I, I really don't think anyone's really gone kind of deeper into the possibilities of electronic music than he has. You know, it just it blows my mind. So, yeah, he's always been a big inspiration. And um, there's a guy uh, from Portland called Blue Tech. Right. Makes this kind of psychedelic chill out stuff. Um, uh, he he was a big inspiration for me as well, and you know still is. Um, and then in, in sort of the side breaks thing, so you know for a while it, it was kind of um, you know just myself and a few others, and then some you know young guys came along like uh, Bad Tango, yeah. um, uh, and I met him I think about four years ago, and he sent me some tracks, and he was like, ah, oh, they're not very good, and I listened to them, I was like, actually no, these these are good, and then you know his tracks just got better and better because he still he still says they're no good, <laughs> they're really yeah. good, right? Okay. <laughs> he uh, he knows what he's doing, but um, he's a bit pessimistic about his own music, but aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know you're your own worst critic. You know, yeah, you have to be. Yeah, you know, it's the yeah. same every time I produce a track. I kind of present it to people, and I just end up apologising. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, it's a lot of the artists on Broken Robot. Then, so then, you know, this kind of, you know, I started to meet people, and people were making side breaks, and uh, just getting better and better, and you know, that kind of scene developed, and and so I was, you know, getting inspiration from a lot of those guys as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, when I'm at home, I, I listen to actually a lot of, uh, like just deep chill out music, like real kind of like quiet kind of, <laughs> you know, emotive music. Well, funny enough, last yeah. time we hung out when we, we had a log cabin at the festival or yeah. like that, um, you played some chill out stuff that we listened to a few times. Um, yeah. I can't remember the name of it. Really good though. Oh, really. Ott, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ott, yeah, it's yeah. probably worth mentioning. What was it called? Um, uh, well, he's had a number of albums. Right. Uh, I think I've probably played through them all. But, but yeah, um, yeah, I really Ott, enjoyed Ott, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's... Um, yeah, he's a bit of a legend. He actually just did a, an Ask Me Anything on Reddit yesterday, which uh, is quite an interesting read for anyone who's into it. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. All right, well... Um, Let's get on to production, since we're kind of floating there. Yeah. Um, or unless, unless you prefer to... Because I, I want to ask you about your labour, and I want to ask you about production, mm. I want to ask you about your DJ. Yeah. What do you want to tackle first? Um, no, that's fine. Yeah, let's go on to production. Yeah? All right. So, um, the obvious thing, what sequencer do you use? And um, give us a little bit of background about the kit. Yeah, yeah. The, the you reach for kit, you know, the, yeah. the, the everyday use. Um, so I started out, I guess I was, I kind of, you know, self-taught in Cubase. Um, uh, and then uh, around about 2010, um, I got into Ableton. Actually, that track, Mind Cell, um, yeah. was the first track I ever wrote in Ableton. Wow. Um, yeah, okay. and I've been, I've been using it ever since, yeah. Um, and... Uh, and so, yeah, with Ableton, um, yeah, you know, just all the kind of usual software synths, uh, you know, massive, silent, um, uh, these kind of things. Um, and one which came out just recently called Serum. Have you? No, I haven't. Serum. No, no. It's the best synth ever. I would be looking for it now. You said it. <laughs> it's the best synth ever. It's it's uh, it's like it's like massive as a wavetable right. synth. Oh, okay. The quality of the oscillators and the filters is like ninety filter types, um, and the oscillators are so clean. Uh, it makes massive sound a bit like a toy. You know, like a little Fisher Price toy. Right. Uh, right. I don't know. I mean, I, I love Massive, and of course, you get great, great sound out of it. But I think, in general, the the, the wavetables have a bit of a kind of plasticky sound. Do you know what I right. mean? Yeah, that? Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. I've done patches for Loop Masters yeah. in, in Massive, and um, it. <laughs> You know, I know exactly what you're yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. Yeah, I, it's I do know what you mean. plasticky. I don't know. I mean, you can get 
through obviously you know layer up and use your filters and effects and everything and layer up your oscillators and get some movement you can you can get beyond it definitely but the, the oscillators by themselves have this kind of plasticky quality for lack of a better word but where serum comes along the the, the quality of these oscillators is it's mind-blowing actually and uh, a few people who have, you know who've got viruses i've played it to they're like just like a virus just, 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 just like a virus who, who made it do you know um Xfer records right, yeah, yeah, yeah you know they made lfo yeah. tool yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah it has lfo well. tool yeah. built into it yeah oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. so it's it's uh, amazing yeah it just came out a couple of weeks ago All right uh, more recommendations I've never, I've never i've never opened any other synth since i got it like it just doesn't seem any point um uh there was a synth called diversion Right, which uh, was made by a guy called Dimitri Chess from Belarus, and it's just like his only sort of product. And uh, I used that almost exclusively for a couple of years. I really, really um, like it. It's quite yeah. CPU intensive, but it's great sound right. quality, very flexible. Um, so yeah, yeah, you know the the, the serum and, and diversion, I guess, are probably the more obscure, but you know, obviously, okay. used all the well known ones as well. So with yeah. um, just regards to like any any sort of like compression limiter, do you what, on the main out? Do you use anything? Um, not on the main. No, no. Um, uh, I just leave that. You just yeah, keep just it. leave that dry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't really have any outboard gear. I mean, I have a, I have an SSL compressor which I actually won in a competition. Oh really? Yeah. And I did use a bit, but now it's just kind of gathering dust. I really want to sell it. By the way, if anyone wants it, like. <laughs> here's a story for you. Is um, uh, Klaus Hill? Do you know Klaus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Klaus is in. Um, Australian. He's. We were talking about this last weekend, and Matt Dopamine was talking about his um, SSL compressor that um, yeah. that, um, that Klaus has got, and he's like, "I really want it back. I really want to get that." Back. <laughs> yeah. like, so maybe, I don't think he's ever going to get it back off Klaus, but yeah. maybe you can buy yours. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll follow that lead. Yeah. So on the like on the channel setup, do you, is there anything else you 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 use on each sound? Just like for, like some people limit every every channel mm. some people like to compress every channel mm. before because like you know i i use limiters on the main out mm. you know but yeah. um but only only subtle yeah, do you yeah. Know what i mean and and they, you know i don't i don't go over the top but um out of interest is there any kind of like set sort of set pieces you reach for you know because um, i was chatting to uh, steph reva star on mm-hmm. on this on the show and um once he's once he's basically made the track, he runs it all through outboard gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all, right. That's that's his thing, and yeah. he has all the settings set up the way that he would like them. So that's why it doesn't really matter about what's going on in the track. By the time it comes out the other end, it has his sound. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you do that does that? Um, no, not really. I mean, as I say, I keep the master dry. I don't really use any outboard gear anymore, um, and. I mean, I have, I guess, like techniques, you know, that, um, uh, I, yeah, techniques and kind of approaches, you know, if I'm looking for a particular kind of sign, I have kind of an approach to kind of getting into it. And, um, but obviously each moment is unique and you, you know, you yeah. kind of go off on tangents and things, but, um, I, I've been trying to, I've been trying to kind of mix up the way, uh, I approach it. So, you know, I would always start with this like kick drum and snare drum and, yeah. you know, get that going. Do you do but, group compression with the... With the drums, yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not everyone does, you know. It's yeah, just a, yeah. Usually, yeah, just to get, yeah, yeah get it kind of uh, flatten the sort of uh, the wave a little bit. Um, 
Yeah. So uh, I, I, yeah, I have you know techniques that I use, and I, I actually, you know, I, I do tuition as well. So uh, yeah, that, yeah, 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 we'll get onto this. So yeah, but well, that, that, that was good actually because I, I kind of. You know, before I started doing the tuition, I just started keeping a journal, and like every time I basically did something cool, I would like write it down, um, uh, and then I kind of so I just kind of then formed like a, a kind of an eight-hour course uh, covering like drums, bass, uh, leads, and effects, right. um, uh, just a whole bunch of techniques in each of those kind of four categories, um, and you know I used that kind of um it's not it's not a formula it's, it's just a set of techniques a set of approaches it can be used for any style of music really um and so when i started teaching that um that you know a lot of these ideas were kind of much more in the front of my mind you know because you, you kind of have that issue maybe when you're making music that you can't remember everything that you know in that moment you know you can yeah. only you only know what comes to you in that moment but teaching it and writing it all down i found that a lot of these techniques were really kind of at the front of my mind a lot of the time and you know, I got a lot of, uh, you know, I got a lot of tunes uh, and a lot of inspiration from doing the teaching. And, oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So where's that available? Uh, so this is um, like a one-on-one uh, tuition uh, via Skype. Right, okay. Yeah, so you just do like a screen share so they can see and hear ah, everything right. you're doing. And this is still available? Like, yeah, I still do this actually. Right, so, so where's that from, your website? Um, yeah, well, just contact me. And, right, okay. Uh, yeah, um, uh, so it's an eight-hour course. I call it the Psychedelic Jedi course. <laughs> <laughs> so where's that? You know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who will be interested in this. How, how do they get in touch with you this way? Um, well, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm the only head flux out there. So, um, so if you just Facebook, type my name in Google, you'll one, find yeah. me. Yeah, yeah right. I mean, there's multiple ways to get me. Yeah. All right. So with, um, with uh, moving on just a soul change, but mm-hmm. still production-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, last night when we played, I noticed that you brought a mini fucking studio with you. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I have to say, I played with you five months ago and you didn't have headphones and you borrowed my headphones. Yeah. <laughs> And last night, the first thing you'd said was, can I borrow your headphones? <laughs> you need to buy some cans. <laughs> no, it's true. I've lost so many pairs of headphones over the years. And I have a good set of headphones at home, but they're open back. Yeah. So they're pretty that. much useless in a club. Uh, I do need to get some new headphones, yeah. Um, but actually, I don't I don't need headphones for uh, yeah. when I'm reaching off Ableton. Uh, maybe just occasional reference, you know. So that was, I was like, just leave your headphones there in case I need them. But yeah, I didn't need them. Um, so what was the funky control you had last night? Okay, so that was the APC. C for a Mark II, right. um, uh, which I, I just got. I actually just got yesterday. Um, so serious I, bit of kit, man. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's good fun. Um, so I, I used to always just play on CDJ as well, vinyl obviously yeah. first, and then a mixture of vinyl and CD, and then just all CD. Yeah. You know, same as everyone else. Um, and then yeah, I just kind of um, you know doing it a lot and uh, feeling, I guess. Well, not so much the limitations of the CDs. I still enjoy playing CDs, but um, I had a a sort of string of gigs where, you know, the CDJs didn't work right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And one particular gig in Canada, Montreal, actually, um, where they had a set of decks. I can't can't even remember what they were, but I'd never used them before. Um, They were just an unusual brand of CDJs. Um, And... uh, you know, I really struggled. The whole set, I was struggling to get those beats tight. Right. And, uh, you know, it's never been an issue. I mean, I've been mixing vinyl since I was like 12, you know, yeah. and always been able to get tight mixes, you know, but I was struggling, you know, the whole set. And people could notice it, you know, it's just like things are just a bit <laughs> yeah. off. And, I was, uh, and of course, you just stand there and I'm thinking, God, you know, I'm getting paid, you know, I've come all the way over the Atlantic, I'm getting paid a lot of money. And these people don't realize that I'm playing on equipment that I've never yeah, used yeah, before yeah. and it feels completely different to you know and from there I was, I was like I, I um 
I'm going to just start bringing my own equipment to yeah. gigs, bring my own controller and start DJing Ableton. Yeah, you know, um, at first you've got all this extra time because you don't have to sync the tunes. Yeah, so that because that's the bulk of the work, isn't it? As a yep. DJ, yep. that's the, you know, just getting it tight. So when you've got that extra time, you have to, you know, think of other things to do and you don't want to just be twiddling just filters, like obviously, which, you know, does happen, I guess. But so I, I, I built these kind of like, uh, what I call like custom effects and, um, Different ways I could. Uh, you using Ableton last night yeah, for, your, for yeah. your DJ sets, you're right. Okay. So I can take like little parts of tracks and loops and things, and uh, you know, kind of jam with those over the top of the tunes I'm DJing with and things. And it's it's constantly developing, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I've never I've never looked back. I mean, I, I don't know. Sometimes like last night, I turned up to see the CDJs, and I thought mm, I could. I could have just brought some CDs yeah, tonight, yeah. and you know, all memories. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but. Uh, I don't know. I do enjoy playing with the controller now. Yeah. 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 All right. Okay. Um, so what you got coming up? Um, uh, I know release wise, I suppose we should talk about the label. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what, what do you have lined up on? Well, firstly, you're starting a label. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm starting a label. It's been kind of a, kind of a long time coming. Um, uh, but, uh, it should be ready to go in a week or two. What's it called? Um, it's called luminous music. Luminous. Luminous. Yeah. And I, I've spelt it without the O. So it's oh, okay. like luminous. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about it. I've got loads of uh, music from people, so I, I got like a, a whole bunch of uh, remixes of my back catalogue um, yeah. from some of my favourite artists, a lot of the other Cybreaks artists and stuff. Um, probably going to have close to twelve of those, so I'm going to do a three-part uh, remix EP, four tracks yep. each. So I'm probably going to launch with the the first of the um, the remix EPs, um, and then I've got. Uh, uh, an original, uh, an original track I want to release with uh, a remix of that from uh, Nanoplex. Uh, new um, of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just got Ben Ben Coder, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, definitely worth a shout, Ben Coder, because yeah. um, cracking music. Yeah, really, no, they're doing great and stuff. And that Nanoplex album's excellent. Yeah, really, yeah. really good. Um, so, sorry. Continue. Yeah, so I did, a, I did a sort of remix swap with them. So I did a remix for one of their tracks they did uh, for one of mine. So yeah, I'm going to release that. And uh, yeah, I've got some originals from other guys, a young guy from Spain called uh, Frequency Less. Um, uh, I think he's worth the mention because uh, he's kind of just come on into the sort of side breaks thing this year uh, with just an incredible just energy you know just that real you know it's that kind of youthful kind of really exciting you know really got me you know inspired about cybreaks again you know and uh, um i said to him would you like to do an ep for my label and he was like yeah what three four tracks i was like yeah we could do three in a remix so you could do four if you want um and he did three tracks in two weeks and they were all amazing. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to come over to the UK soon. Can, uh, can I come to your house and have some lessons? I'm like, you just written three tracks in two weeks. You should be giving me lessons. <laughs> yeah, so, get his number. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess one thing I mentioned, you know, I, I, uh, last year I released an EP called The Wanderlust EP which I, I put a lot of work into, like four tracks that were, you know, really tried to kind of push the boundaries of what I'd been doing before. And um, and that was really successful, uh, released on Bandcamp yep. um, for a name your price uh, with no minimum. 
Um, and it did really well. I got a lot, you know, I got a lot of money out of it. I got a lot of gratitude out of it, a lot of opportunity. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, uh, you know, I will freely admit I, I, in the year since then, I, I've really struggled to finish new music, you know. Um, I've got heaps of projects that have started, you know, um, which if I was to close them all down, I'd probably have about three albums worth right. of material, you know, and I do hope to close them all down yep. at some point. But um, there's been a lot of opening new possibilities this last year um, and and now I'm kind of at a point where I'm like okay now I need to start kind of closing these down and making these into like finished products you know um, and it's a bit of I guess a bit of the, the second album syndrome you know I yep, was kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, re- reading about that uh, yeah, I, had actually, I hadn't actually heard the term second album syndrome until a couple of weeks ago I was reading an interview um, with an ambient artist that I liked and he said that he did his first release in 1999 and it was wildly successful. Um, and uh, he didn't finish anything for 10 years after that. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my God. I well, <laughs> I don't want to point the finger. It's taken me a few, few years before since my last album. Yeah. I've done three albums in a, in a very short space of time. And I was just absolutely firing with like inspiration yeah and um then since then it's like i think what it is is like it, when it comes to albums hmm. like when you got your head in you need to think to yourself right i need to write an album that that's when it becomes a little bit dry and you're like uh it's just that starting point you know of something that's like a, a how can i describe it um it <laughs> it's trying to scale a, a mountain yeah yeah where where do you start and mm-hmm. and in the place that you start, is it going to be the right right place to actually climb that mountain? You know, so yeah. you know, but yeah, you know, I, I fully understand. But mm. it's, I've, it's probably a good seven years since I made an album. Yeah, yeah, it's quite painful. Um, but yeah. so so, is this something that you that that you would do for your because your your EP was four tracks? Mm, yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, I, I, you're I had quarter seven. of the way there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I had seven uh, to, you know, that I was aiming for, and I was going to do a proper album. But then I, the other three tracks, you know, just I ended Desperate up actually to just, get them out. I just was like, no, I'm going to leave them. I'm not yep. going to release them. I've been, yeah, can't get them assigned how I want assigned. I've spent too much time on it. I'm just going to draw a line under it. It's only good though. I don't. I I, I paid for your uh, down tempo track. Oh, cool. uh, yeah. on that on that um, yeah. EP, very good. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, I just went for the EP instead of the album, and uh, um, yeah, you know, but it was still a big step up because I only really released one or two tracks at a time for that point. So releasing four tracks um, was a step up, and I still do want to do an album. And as I say, I've got you know enough projects there, but I just need to close them down. Yeah. Um, but you know, I've been through. I mean, it's been you know, it's been a tough year in in a lot of respects. Um, um, you know, I kind of got to a point where, um, you know, things things are going well. You know, there's no doubt about it. There's lots lots happening. But then it was kind of like, well, where where to next? You yeah. know, um, it's, it's kind of like that point in the relationship where it's like, where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that dreaded <laughs> dreaded uh. question. <laughs> and I kind of got to that point. Of course, I had two two kids as well during that yeah. time, so there was a lot of growing up. You know, a lot of realities. Yeah. I mean, you'll know yourself when you start having kids. Uh, you, you you start having to think a lot further ahead, don't you? You start thinking like 10, 15 years in the future. You know where you're going to be. But until you have kids, you know, maybe you're not yeah. thinking that far ahead well, at all. The decisions, yeah, the, the decisions you're currently making, you know, you know, where do they, where, you know, where, where do they, where do they end? Yeah, you know, yeah. and could you be, you simply could be just wandering down the wrong path. 
yeah yeah know, getting lost you know that's it's, that's the way that i sort of view it is um funny enough someone did mention this on the facebook about how mm. difficult it is to be um a parent mm. and also try especially kind of the the kind of the early days of your career mm. having children and there's a kind of there's a moment you're like am i doing the right thing yeah you know like yeah. is this you know um, or am i just being quite a selfish through that so many times yeah yeah and uh you know my i mean my wife bless her you know uh it's always been like you know she, she firmly believes this is what i'm meant to do you know she yeah. sees it in me you know that it makes me happier than anything else i've done yeah. you know and so she's supportive of it in that way and, that, and that's you know that's great so even when i'm you know in my deepest kind of darkest doubts about myself you know yeah. she, she's always there kind of encouraging me so um uh that helps and of course you always get encouragement from your fans and friends as well um so yeah i think i think there's no no going back now um but you know i never really had much of a plan when i started this i mean I, i'd been reading a lot of like like self-help you know personal development right. spiritual books about eastern philosophy all this kind of thing i came across this thing called the law of attraction all right okay idea. yeah yeah well, so, what is this thing covered it? so the, the, the idea is that um you can you can attract particular experiences into your life by um essentially giving them positive focus and positive attention so you, you visualize the things you want uh, imagine what it's like to have it you know or whatever it is um and you make it kind of more likely to sort of manifest in your life and you know it was a bit hippie new agey stuff um to begin with and i was skeptical at first but you know with my, my best kind of rational mind the more i thought about this the more it started to make sense even with the science background that i yeah. had um and I, I don't know i'll get into all the science of it but um it definitely makes sense to me that um the the power of you know, visual, visualizing a particular outcome that you want in your life and kind of charging it with positivity. So, you know, not, um, so, you know, so, you know, believing that it's achievable, you yeah. know, and yeah, being yeah. happy yeah. about it and, and give, giving it that kind of positivity um, increases the probability of that or something like that coming into your experience. There's an attraction that happens. Um, and I wanted to put that to the test basically right. okay. <laughs> with the music and uh, and that was basically my plan i was like okay uh, i want to be i want to be doing this for my living i want to be going around the world um and i want to be making kind of the you know the best music i can imagine making yeah. you know and if i just focus on that and stay positive and trust in the uh, outcome uh, then that's what i'm going to do and and i did that for years i was just like just focus on the music and trust in yeah. the rest and you know, I got, I got looked after. I mean, like, uh, I just made the music, did the shows, and things happened. Things came, you know, people came in my life, money came in. It's kind of a, pl um, a placebo effect type of thing that you believe well, that... Yeah, I mean... That it's, 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 it's working. Yeah, I mean, it's just having know. the right... The, the kind of right attitude, you know. Um, uh, I mean, you know, yeah, I, I guess uh, yeah, having the right attitude and, and seeing the signs as well, you know, if you're, you know if you're doing something right often there's just things that happen where you're just like yes i know i'm doing the right thing here because that wouldn't have happened otherwise yeah um so you know it was a kind of test i was kind of testing this kind of like new agey spiritual idea like can you actually manifest the life you want <laughs> by you know just have you know having the right kind of attitude uh and i would say now that um 
you know, I do believe that to an extent. I mean, it's not as simple as, you know, I want a Mercedes, therefore, you know, I'm yeah. going to sit here and go, Mercedes, 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 <laughs> until it appears. <laughs> until it appears. Yeah. It's not like that at all. But but really, you know, if you want something in your life, then the, the actual, the, the, the intention and the visualization, you know, is a necessary step to getting there. It's not just going to pop into your existence if you never do any work yeah. to begin yeah. with, you know, to set it in motion kind of thing. Um, and so... Yeah, you know, I, I think I think there's there's definitely something to it. You know, I mean, of course, there's lots of bullshit around it as well, but I think there's definitely yeah. something to it. You know, well, we spoke um, on the car ride back from the club last night. Um, you know, we had a similar sort of conversation of like, do you want to be that person that go that says, I wonder if. I wonder if I could have, you know, yeah, and um, you know, trying to explain that to yourself in later life, saying I wish I'd just done this, I wish I'd done that. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. almost better to to fall flat on your face, to make the mistakes. Yeah, and at least you can go. Well, I've, I had a go. I tried. You yeah. Know? Um, well, that's it. I don't have. I, yeah, I don't have that anymore. But before I went full time with music, my life was like that. I wish yeah. I'd done this. I wish I'd done that. I felt like a a victim of circumstance to a degree yeah, you know yeah. you just feel like you're kind of like bumbling around this world that just doesn't care about you and you're just kind of but then when I actually I took control of my own life I was like actually you know what uh, I can I can create the life I want you know I yeah. don't just have to be a victim of the world um, you know there's always going to be circumstances of course you're yeah. going to have to deal with and things yeah. but um uh, you know to, to an extent you can engineer your life um but uh, you know, it's 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 challenging. You know, you you meet challenges every step of the way, but you'll also be rewarded. You know. Yeah, and and also is I think that it's, I think you really surprise yourself. Is once you make that plunge of saying I'm doing this, and you're one hundred percent committed, mm. and you you sort of get this kind of tunnel vision. Yeah. Like no, I'm going to achieve this. It's like you don't even let up you know, kind of let up for air. Yeah. But when you do, you sort of look how far you've, you've come and you've achieved. You, yeah. You, can, you know, it, it can be, you know, it, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll give, can I'll, be done. I'll give you a good example. Um, uh, so, and then I'll get back to the label. <laughs> I was going to kind of give him some backstory to the label. That's right. But um, <laughs> we're um, in a new tangent. But no, yeah. carry on. I'm fascinated. So keep so going. I, I went to Boom Festival, which yep. is like the biggest Psytrance festival in the world. Um, uh, amazing, amazing place. Every two years in, in Portugal. I went there in 2008. So that was two years before I, you know, went full time with music. Um, it was before I'd even released any music. And uh, yeah, I had the time of my life, and I was like, I'm going to play here in 2012. Um, and lo and behold, I got booked for Boom Festival in 2012. Um, I went there, uh, I played it. It was, you know, it's yeah, probably the gig of my life. I mean, it was amazing. I brought in the sunrise on the beach. Uh, there was like <laughs> thousands of people, um, friends that I'd met from all over the world, like American friends, Australian yeah. friends, New Zealand friends. My wife was there. My best friends from the UK were there. So many people that I knew, like peers, you know, people, artists I respected, yep. you know, everybody was there, like in the crowd. Um, it was the night of the full moon. So I had the full moon, like, so I was looking out at the full moon when I started playing and then the moon sort of went down during my set <laughs> and then right on cue on the last track that I played I played this kind of like uplifting kind of ambient thing just as the last track and the sun came over my shoulder and right. illuminated the dance floor bang on time um, and it was just it was emotional it was like yeah. absolutely you know peak and I, I couldn't believe that that happened when four years ago I hadn't released any music 
and I said I'm going to play here in 2012. And you know, I didn't even contact them; like they contacted me. Oh, you know, really? like yeah, yeah, so okay. I, I literally manifested that. You know, I mean, so. Would that have happened if I didn't say in 2008, I'm going to play here in 2012? You know, that's what I'm saying. You, yeah. know, you have yeah. to set the intention. You have to have the vision for it to happen. You know, yeah. otherwise it's just never going to happen. Um, so that was that was a real kind of uh, peak life moment for me, you know, um, kind of, you know, pinch yourself kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but then kind of after that, so... After that, uh, that was like kind of towards the end of summer, and then you start going into the winter, and you can do a lot more club gigs, and you yeah. know, things kind of, you know, after that, it was kind of like everything seemed a bit sort of not as good as that, you know. It's like how am I going yeah. to get more shows like that how again? You know, you got to make more predictions. <laughs> yeah. And and I realized, that, um, you know, so I had I had quite a tough year in 2013. You know, I had a you know just a bunch of gigs, you know, where there wasn't many people, or you know, you start to think, oh, you know, am I still doing the right thing or whatever. Uh, and I started to get, come across a lot more challenges, and I, I realized that I never, I hadn't actually ever dreamt bigger than playing at Boom Festival. That was like my <laughs> ultimate. That was like my ultimate dream, you know. Right. At the time, I was just okay. like, "That's you know, that if I do that, I've made it." You know, so and then, like, of course you do it, and then it's over. <laughs> You're yeah. like, well, it's like winning the gold medal at the yeah. Olympics. <laughs> it's like you get it, and then you go. And, um, they they, they say, um, "Would they say a lot of people have um, they get quite depressed after they achieve their goal?" Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And I learned that the hard way. Like success turns to depression if you've got no nothing to follow up with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I didn't, you know, I was like, yeah, I kind of have like, achieved what I'd set out to do and uh, I was like well what what now and um yeah so I I, I spent you know a lot of the, the last kind of year sort of 18 months like uh you know really thinking about how I you know where I want to go from here you know how can I make it more sustainable so you know it's not such a kind of up and down career but you know just get something that's you know uh, you know just get it working more efficiently and with a, a another kind of long-term vision because um you know I kind of reached I reached my dream and then it was like well what am I going to do no, you know, yeah. I, mean, I obviously still wanted to make music and do shows, but, you know, I had nothing in the future that I was aiming for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so where are you at now with this? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I just, no, so, so where we go with this? Well, well, yeah, well, um, uh, yeah. Good question. Um, uh, no, well, I, I kind of, um, I, I knew that I wanted to um, have my, my own platform, yeah. uh, kind of, you know, my own platform on, on, online, um, you know, for releasing music, but, you know, also just having, uh, you know, a platform which you can really do anything you want with, you know, you could do whatever you want to do, clothes or, you yeah. know, um, you know, a blog or, you know, whatever. Um, so I, want, I wanted to set that up and uh, that was, um, you know, my, my kind of, uh, you know, reason for leaving Broken Robot, you know, was, you know, yeah. um, it wasn't there was really any issue with Broken Robot. It was just that I, I wanted different things, you know. I'd, yeah. been, I'd been kind of working as, you know, just an artist, you know, just yeah. making the tunes, doing the shows for like four years. And I thought, you know, I want to do more. I want to get involved in more business. I want to, you know, connect more online. And um, uh, I don't want to be just doing music and gigging forever, you right. know. I, I, I still want to do music and gig, but I just want to have the freedom to do it as and when right, I do yeah, it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I still want to be, I want to serve the people who've supported me and right. followed me over the years, you know, so I had a lot of, lot of great fans, a lot of really enthusiastic support. Obviously, I've got all these people on Facebook and email addresses and things, and I want to 
I want to serve them. You know, I feel like they're my people. So, they're my yeah. customers. You know, and yeah, I, yeah. I want to do something for them. And a label seemed like the you know the way to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck with the label for sure. Yeah, um, and I'm sure that I'm, to, to be fair, I'm, I'm pretty confident it's going to be successful. You know, I think we might sit here in a year's time and go, "Wow, yeah, I, that was my boom festival." Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, we, yeah. and you might have achieved it all. You know, so um, good luck with it. And I'm sure I can speak for everyone else that um, you know it'll go well. Yeah, you know, well, and, and well, things change. I mean, vibes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean Sh- Sh- Shambhala was. Uh, um, I mean, I-, I played on stage called the grove stage which was an amazing stage actually but it was the smallest stage of the festival it's still a big stage but it was the smallest one in the festival but the some of the other stages um, there's one called the village and uh, that was undoubtedly the, the most mind-blowing like stage lighting sound i've ever seen the atmosphere everything that the energy there was just phenomenal and that, that actually gave me a you know whereas before like boom festival was like my highest aspiration and after i went to shambhala i was like oh man there's stuff even way beyond really? that now yeah. yeah you know and yeah let's say you know you just have an event or you see something and you're just like damn that's actually something to aspire yeah. to that's you that's know. It. yeah yeah um so um yeah no i i i still I, I still have aspirations um but i guess i have uh you know different priorities now i have to support my family um you know and uh, i want the best for my kids and all that kind of thing so i've got to think about how i can do it smart you know you know, do you know have a proper business, but you know also be an artist. Um, and uh, there's just so much you really yeah. have to do these days to kind yeah, of get by. Yeah, but, it's, um, um, you, it's very difficult to just be someone that sits in the studio and makes music and yeah. DJs. You got you got to be everything these days. Yeah, to, but even to, that, I think to, too much of anything can get a bit you know re- yeah. you know repetitive. If uh, yeah, um, well. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, running a label presents a whole new set of problems. Yeah, that you, you probably you know. I am yet to yeah. discover. <laughs> yeah, I do. I don't. I don't want to. You know, all of a sudden is you know you you know this the platform that you you make for yourself to to be independent and all that and it you slowly but surely kind of become lower on the pecking order when yeah. you start working with other people and then you find yourself just kind of slowly moving background into a manage, managerial... Like, this is what's yeah. happened with me and, and many other artists that, that I'm friends with that run labels, that you slowly become consumed with the business mm-hmm. rather than, you know, the, the joy of the creativity yeah. is slowly kind of you move away from it you know and you end up you know just responding to emails all day and you know uploading Mm. tracks and you know just just pushing pillar to post with like all the business involved on running the label you know um but then i I think there's there is something to be said for that kind you know that that kind of work i mean like I find if I have just too much time for music, then it, you kind of like kind of expand out to yep. fill it, don't you? You waste yes, more yeah. time. You you know kind of. But if your if your time for music is actually quite limited, as it was, for example, before I quit, you know, I was like you know getting a lot done in like you know like three hours in the evening, you yeah. know, just like bam, 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 need to do this, this, this. But then when I've got all the time in the world to make music, yep, then yeah. it takes me all That's the time the in the world to make music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, when you got too much, because then you think, oh well, I, I'll do this, but I'll do that later. You yeah. know, whereas, whereas, like you say, if you only got three hours, you write a little list of things that you need to do on the yeah. track. You get in there and you you do your amendments, yeah, and you get close to getting it finished. Yeah, you know, instead of just listening to that same loop again and again yeah. and again <laughs> and again, and then you kind of lose sight so of whether it's. 
I listened to it. An hour ago. Yeah, so maybe if I listen to it one more time, it will sound better uh, and I'll get an idea for it. So let's go, bam. Yeah. yeah. Round, oh, round, man, yeah. I, I have that with, you know, especially if I'm working on something, I'm banging my head against the wall. I'll go to bed that night and it'll just be there and I'll just be still in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of asleep and you're still playing in your head. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I tell you what, I think we're probably getting to the end because we have done an hour and a half. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool, the longest yeah. interview. Flew by, actually, yeah. That's <laughs> the longest interview that I've had. I say, I call it an interview. It ain't really an interview. It's just banter, isn't yeah. it? Just, <laughs> yeah. it's, it is just a chat. So, you know, this, um, I think... I think people can tell from the way that, you know, that these interviews, I say interviews, that these conversations are conducted, they are just very loose. And it's nice to kind of just chat about stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I hope people don't... I, I think, it, I, I, you know, I hope it kind of sort of deepens the connection that the fans feel to the artists when they when they sit and talk like this, kind of... Because um, I, I, sometimes I feel like, you know, like artists are just... You know, they they're just like a, a logo and a sound. You know, yes, and yeah. just, you know, and they just put a few words here and there. You know, yeah. just uh, in support of what they're doing. Um, but I think people really like that kind of heart connection. You know, yeah. to know that you know you're kind of a real person and you're going through. You know what you're going through. Yeah. And everything, doing what you're doing. And I think that I think there's actually value in that. Um, you know, I think. You know, when I did this this release, this uh, pay what you like release, yeah. you know, a lot of people paid way over the odds. Like some people paid fifty quid. Yeah. Um, now, I, maybe as much as ten people paid fifty quid for the Jesus. album. Um, now, you know, I, they, they, and it wasn't my mum. You know, actually, <laughs> she, she didn't pay anything. Uh, but, no, she sorted me out with other, other times. Thanks, mum. Uh, She's on the first sixteen years yeah. of your life. Yeah. <laughs> She's paid. Um, but no, they, these were just fans, you know, and. Um, you know, I mean, you don't know what's happening in there. I mean, they, they might have just got a massive payout. You know, they just got like 10 grand yeah. bonus from work and they went back and listened to this EP and they're like, God, that's amazing. You know what? I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to yeah. give this guy some proper money. Um, and, you know, just some stats for you. I mean, there's 75% of people took it for free, you know. Yep. 20, the 25% that did give, um, uh, most of them uh, have paid, you know, certainly way more than you would get yeah. from a track on Beatport, you know. Um, and, you know, people, uh, when you give p people something for free, they're grateful, you know, um, and they express that gratitude in all kinds of ways. Uh, yeah. Money, giving you money, maybe just be one way, but uh, opportunity and uh, support and, you know, other things. And so there's a lot to be said for that. But if you just put out something with a price tag on it, you may not get the same level of gratitude in return for it because you're not giving it away. You know, yeah. it's not a gift, you yeah, know, yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's a product that you're selling. Um, so there's some psychology there and a lot of, you know, interesting stuff with Bandcamp now that suggests that actually in some cases, you know, if you've got a good relationship with your fans, that's what I'm talking about, opening up, you know, yep. Um, yep. if your fans feel connected to you, then actually giving things away may actually be a better business for you than actually yeah. putting a price on things. Well, yeah, well, the, it, I, I, you know, I mention it all the time on this podcast, but um, to run the, run this podcast is expensive with the bandwidth. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I need to find that money and obviously, I, you know, putting the shows together, you know, trying to organise, you know, interviews with people, trying to do it like a decent two-hour show. Mm. Um, I've used Bandcamp as a kind of, to put up some music, to put up some bits and, just bits mm. and bits. And it's really more of a, you know, it's not that I, I I want I need them to drop a load of money on those tracks. It's it's what it, it it's what it um it's what it represents. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't want you know the 
yeah. down tempo track that I made that was kind of a bit more personal use. Yeah, yeah. Um, they know if they're dropping a few dollars on a track, mm. it's going to help this podcast and me con- to com- can continue to give it to yeah. them. So, uh, you know, the goodwill that's shown is incredible. You yeah. Know? And then, yeah. like you say, I think it's, it's such a personal connection mm-hmm. because there, there is, it's not 50% doesn't go to a big organization, you yeah. know, that yeah. is, you know, and, you know, an evil organization, should we say, yeah. you know, so it comes, you know, it comes to the eyes, you know, and, and it's, and how you use that money. So when people buy your four track, EP, hmm. they can actually. There's something really nice about that, knowing that they're actually helping keep your family afloat while you continue to do what you do. Yeah, yeah. you know, and that, like you know, so that it's that's that some people really get that. They really understand yeah. that dropping fifty quid means a ton yeah. to you. Yeah, it's you know, that's that's a lot of money for a, for a few tracks. Yeah, but in the back of their head if they understand that connection that that money is going to you it allows you to make more music that they enjoy mm-hmm. it's, it's a good investment yeah yeah um yeah so i mean i i read a book called uh, music in the digital age by um actually by the ceo of Bandcamp, and he has really interesting perspectives uh, uh on all this um and you know talks a lot about just the you know the stats from Bandcamp. you know um people charging for stuff or having a minimum price or giving away for free and it's it's uh, really interesting reading but you know he said that the the most valuable thing for artists now is the relationship um you know the the actual connection that kind of heart connection between you and your fans and uh so in my experience i mean i go from being kind of quite open to being quite closed like sometimes <laughs> i'll just kind of, kind of write this massive post on facebook just like spilling my heart out you know and uh, you know because it gets a lot of likes and generates a lot of discussion people contact me and you know i've made a lot of great connections just through really just opening up on posts right i did a an ask me anything uh like a year ago yeah. on facebook i was just asked me anything and that, i was I spent the entire day replying to comments <laughs> and questions you know some silly some deep uh whatever but uh, I actually feel like that actually changed my life. Like I spent the whole day just being open and honest with my fans, and uh, I felt amazing after it. Um, uh, it was really good. But then, then other times you just feel really kind of like you're too exposed. You're like thinking about what everyone really thinks about you and all this kind of thing, and yeah. you just want to, you just want your privacy. You just want to close up, and that's kind of the curse of being in the public eye that kind of thing isn't it yeah. it's, it's nice being well known and, and, and kind of popular or famous or whatever um, but sometimes you just <laughs> you just yeah. want to close down yeah. and um, but it's a curse of the artist I think but, yeah. yeah unfortunately that's gone out the window since I started this podcast <laughs> yeah <laughs> every time I interview people I end up just talking about like you know stuff that is personal and yeah is you know is very much day to day life you know like we've, we've discussed with you is that I feel that it, it is relevant it, you know is that if they buy into you as an artist you know they don't need to know all the background they don't but a lot of people want to know yeah, yeah. You know, is there, there's nothing worse than loving a piece of music from someone and you meet them and they're an arsehole. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, you hear really stories all the time. Sucks, People always you know? remember that, don't they? If yep. the DJ's, uh, you know, behaves like a diva or yep. whatever, um, they remember it and, you know, they probably won't have you back. Well, uh, I, well yeah. I, I, you know, I, as, as a DJ myself and, and a travelling DJ, I get to see how some other artists behave and mm. conduct themselves and don't get me wrong i'm certainly no angel yeah right <laughs> mine's more of like you know just you know just be you know over the years never do when i play never i never ever get drunk or anything before i play yeah but afterwards 
I've often got a little bit too loose at points yeah. <laughs> and just got a bit messy. But I would never do that. I, I have too much respect for the people I'm working for to yeah. do that before I play. Yeah. But when I see when I see other DJs with total disrespect for the audience and just absolutely getting in, in such states that they can't perform to a professional standard mm. it, it is annoying because it's like dude you you you've got to appreciate what such a great position you're in yeah and yeah you're spoiling it for, the... for yourself and, and and also is you've got all these people that are looking at you going is this what i spent my money on yeah yeah uh, that's it i mean uh, you know you you got to have that gratitude and respect and of course you're trusting in these people as well you know if you're going out to a country you've never been to before being picked up by people you never met before you know nothing about it. I mean you know they say the best way to make someone trustworthy is to trust them you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know so I very much was aware of this kind of trust thing I just had to you know I just made a decision that I'm going to trust the music so I'm going to trust wherever the music leads me um, and I'm going to you know you know, treat everyone with, you know, utmost respect and I always have done. Um, but yeah, I have seen DJs who've gotten like really wasted before their sets and it's, it's, it's so disrespectful, man. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I would hate to be in a situation where I just felt really kind of ashamed and like the promoters were disappointed in me and that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and you know, you know, who, who knows, you know, maybe they won't take you back to the airport, you know, <laughs> they just leave you somewhere, you know, by the side of the road. I've actually heard of that happening. Like, uh, <laughs> I won't say I won't say who, but a particularly intoxicated DJ. They just um yeah, just drove him out and just dumped him out of the car really? and left him, yeah. Uh, and just let him find his own way back or whatever, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, it happens. It's that kind of um access to excess. You know, DJs have that kind of access yeah. to excessive, you know, amounts of things. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um that uh, you know, yeah, I guess you know, with that comes some responsibility. And I think yeah. there's a little bit of self control. If you want to, if you want to get messy, that's fine. But don't do it when you're there to do a job. Yeah, do your job. Yeah, do it in your free time. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? You know. But um, look, we're gonna have to wrap it up. Okay. Um, because we have done a very long interview and I need to think about how I'm going to edit this down because if not I won't be able to play any music on this show (laughs) Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you Steve and thank you for doing it yeah thanks so much yeah it's been great and uh, can I get a couple of stings before we wrap it up yeah all right. so um, this is Headflux you're listening to Lowering the Tone with Meet Katie nice Episode 8, done and dusted. I hope it was worth the wait. Really sorry it took so long. If you enjoyed it and you want to get involved, you know what to do. Share the links, tag me in so I can see who you are. And until next time, take care. So